Good to see everyone, and uh, I said last week it sounded like Home Depot. I think it sounds a little more like a Ford commercial when, it, when we start, like built Ford tough. You know, just like, you, just get you in the mood to, to start. Welcome, yeah, those watching online today. We're glad you've joined us on this Memorial Day weekend, and Memorial Day is a time when we remember those who have given the ultimate sacrifice, and um, man, Memorial Day is so much more than just being able to take a day off from work just to be able to get together and grill some burgers. It's really a time where we need to think about the freedom we have in our country, and uh, I encourage you to do that and remember about the sacrifice that so many people gave, that they gave their life so that we could be here today, that we could worship, that we could celebrate, that we could talk about Jesus freely. Um, and man, let's not take that for granted. Let's, let's really remember that. Let's really be thankful for those uh, who have served our country and given their lives uh, so we can be here today. Um, do have a few quick announcements uh, that I'll share. Um, one is that we don't have you tonight because of Memorial Day. So uh, we know a lot of people are traveling and out of town. So uh, we don't have youth tonight. Uh, a couple of other things. Uh, one is I mentioned last week um, that, you know, with kind of things getting back to normal somewhat, uh, we've had a lot of new visitors lately here at Cornerstone. I really want to encourage you, if you're part of a serving team or if you're not part of a serving team, maybe it's time to jump in. But uh, everything from our worship team to our hospitality team to uh, our safety security team, uh, just so many different areas, or children's ministry, we've got a place for you to serve here at Cornerstone and to get plugged in. So uh, if you need somewhere to, to if you want to get to meet people and really get connected to Cornerstone, the best way to do that is find somewhere that you can put your gifts and your talents uh, in service to the Lord. So uh, there's things to do on Sunday morning, there's things to do during the week. Uh, we'll help you get fit in the right place, but just let us know. Um, and if you've served in the past and kind of been taking a break, it's time to, I encourage you, it's really time to jump back in and, and get involved. And so uh, I'll mention that. Another thing I mentioned last week was our Nicaragua mission trip. Um, uh, we, I, I, sh I shared that, uh, you know, we've been doing ministry in Nicaragua for a long time. And so uh, we're trying to get together a small team uh, that's willing to go into Nicaragua uh, in early July um, and so if you're even interested in the least little bit, let us know. Really today, we, we're trying to make a decision on uh, what to do and how to, how to work it out. And, and the only caveat I would mention with that is uh, because of testing and you got to get tested before you go, tested before you can come back, uh, and not to scare anybody, but it, you need to be prepared if you do get a positive test while you're there, you would be in a foreign country for several weeks before you could come back. So um, that makes it a little adventurous, doesn't it? Uh, so, uh, you know, I've been there enough times it wouldn't bother me at all, but I know, uh, I'll just throw that out there. Just, um, um, just, just think about it, pray about it. If God's leading you, uh, talk to me or, or Larry about that. Um, and I think, I think that's all the announcements I've got. So with that, man, we get to jump in to week three of our series. Um, I'll mention that about midweek this week, I'm like, I was working on the message for today, and I'm like, you know, uh, I really feel like there's something else I need to talk about. So I actually added a, a I actually extended this series out an extra week uh, because I wanted to focus on this passage today. I felt like after last week, 
uh, this passage is really what we needed to talk about. And so we'll be in Jeremiah 18 today. If you got your Bibles, you can kind of go there. But let me kind of catch you up a little bit. Uh, the first week we talked about uh, Jeremiah, about his faithfulness, and, and, and really our faithfulness in doing what God has called us to do, even when it's not popular. Uh, you think about Jeremiah preaching the message year after year after year, and people just ignoring it, people making fun of it, people persecuting him, people trying to imprison him uh, because of what he was sharing. And, and, and the reality is that they heard it, and uh, not only did they make fun of the message, they did not respond. Uh, they simply turned their back to God. Then last week, we talked about how God is love, but how also God is just. And because of that, sin has consequences. Disobedience has consequences. And, and you cannot continue to disobey God, rebel against God, to, to live in disobedience to Him, and, and expect God to bless your life. And so that's what we talked about last week. And so today, uh, it, it kind of leaves us in a tough spot, doesn't it? Because we all have sinned. We all have sinned. We all miss that mark that God has set for us. So how do we respond? How do we deal with that? That Man, there are serious consequences for sin, but yet we all have sinned. And, and so this week um, uh, is really what I, I wanted to kind of jump in and talk about um, I mentioned last week that as we grow in our faith, we realize our own sinfulness. We recognize God's holiness. This is how Tim Keller says it. He said, the gospel is this, that we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. I love that quote. Because as we grow in our faith, this is the tension, this is the paradox, right? That, that we are more sinful and flawed than we ever dare believe. We don't like to admit that. We like to think, well, compared to my neighbor, I'm pretty good. Compared to the rest of my family, you want to see some messed up people, look at the rest of my family, but me, I'm pretty good. Right? That's how we think. But yet the Gospels, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. But at the very same time, we're more loved and accepted than we ever dared hope. And so this is that, that, that craziness that we got to dig in and talk about today. Uh, Stephen Smith says this. He says, when we sin, and we do sin, God desires brokenness. And so what is brokenness? Brokenness is a state of awareness of our sinfulness and our inability in light of God's presence. That's what brokenness is. It's a, it's a state of awareness about our brokenness, about our, our, our sinfulness. And he, he said this, he said, This helps us understand the first beatitude, that blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. The poor are not those who are financially poor. They are those who see their sin deeply. Now think about the irony of this. People who see their sin deeply are blessed. So how are they blessed if you're aware of your own sin? He says the answer is to translate the word blessed as congratulated, right? The person who is broken should be congratulated. Why? Because they get it. They understand the right relationship. People who understand their limitations are to be congratulated because they understand reality. They get what is real. 
And, and so it may be helpfulness to, helpful to say what uh, brokenness is not. Uh, brokenness is not pride. The opposite of brokenness is not wholeness. And I think sometimes we think of that. We think if something is broken, the opposite would be, well, it's put together. It's complete. Here's what he said. He said, um, uh, the opposite of brokenness is a perceived wholeness. Now, let me explain that. Prideful people are not aware of their need for God. Perhaps this is why when God came into the brokenness of the world, he was constantly fighting pride in the form of self-righteousness. The self-righteous person has not been in the presence of God. So the opposite of brokenness is this perceived wholeness. It's that you understand your, your, your sinfulness. You understand why you need a relationship with God. Prideful people, they don't even think they need God. They, they look at themselves and they think, well, I'm good enough. I'm good enough. I don't need God. I don't need... I, and, and so when God tries to mold them or to shape them or to change them or to transform them, they say, no, I'm good. I don't, I don't need your help. But broken people recognize, hey, I need all the help I can get. Broken people recognize that they need God. And so that leads me to my first point today. And here's what I want you to know. We all have sinned, but God cares about the broken. And if He cares about the broken, that means He cares about you because you're broken. (laughs) Right? We've got to to get to that place in our life when we realize, hey, I'm a broken person in need of a Savior. And if we can realize that, if we can get to that place in our life when we recognize I'm broken— That changes how we interact with other people. We don't look down on others. That means we can actually start coming alongside of others and and recognizing, hey, I'm a broken person too. Let's follow Jesus together, right? And so let's jump back in the story of Jeremiah. And we're going to be in a familiar passage in in chapter 18. Probably one of the, the most familiar passages in Jeremiah. And it's about the potter and the clay. And so the point of this passage, it's a lot about brokenness, but I don't believe that's the primary point. The primary point is not our brokenness, but it's how God responds to our brokenness. And so uh, this, this, this passage really tells us how God cares about us, how God cares about our, our brokenness. So the context of this is God is still pursuing the kingdom of Judah. He still wants them to respond and to repent. And so he carefully explains uh, how they're broken and how uh, the consequences for their brokenness. So let's kind of jump in. Chapter 18, verse 1. And it said this, The Lord gave another message to Jeremiah. He said, Go down to the potter's shop, and I will speak to you there. So I did as he told me, and I found the potter working at his wheel But the jar he was making did not turn out as he had hoped. So he crushed it into a lump of clay again, and he started over. And then the Lord gave me this message. O Israel, can I not do to you as this potter has done to his clay? As the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. 
And so let's just kind of talk about this a little bit. So what did he see? He, he went to the potter's house and, uh, you know, pottery then was very similar as it is now. You had a wheel that was turned and, the, 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 you know, the, the force of the wheel turning, uh, the, the potter would use his hands to mold and to shape the clay into a certain type of vessel. And, and so uh, Jeremiah knew as he watched the potter turning and, and shaping the clay that he was looking at a picture of humanity. This is God as the potter shaping us to be used by God. And, and so uh, this is the same imagery that we see used uh, in a lot of places in Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament both. In Isaiah, uh, Isaiah 45, 9 uh, we see it say, uh, what sorrow awaits those who argue with their creator. Does a clay pot argue with its maker? Does the clay dispute with the one who shapes it saying, stop, you're doing it wrong. Does, does the pot exclaim, how clumsy can you be? And so Isaiah gets this too. He's, this idea that God is the one shaping us and are we allowing him to shape us or are we arguing with him? Isaiah says this in 64.8. He says, And yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all formed by your hand. Um, in the New Testament, Paul uses it as well. He says in Romans 9, Don't say, Who are you, a mere human being, to argue with God? Should the thing that was created say to the one who created it, Why have you made me like this? When a potter makes jars out of clay... Doesn't he have the right to use the same lump of clay to make one jar for decoration and another to throw garbage into? And so Paul is saying, wait a minute, everybody is shaped uniquely. We all have a different purpose, a different function in the kingdom of God. So why do we spend so much time arguing with God about how he made us? And that kind of goes back here to Jeremiah. Jeremiah is the prophet who's watching this potter shape and mold the clay and so as he watches, there's an imperfection, right? It did, didn't turn out the way he wanted it to. So what does the potter do? He just kind of mashes it all back together and he starts shaping it again. And so the picture here, right? And you guys know this, but the picture is God cares about your brokenness. No matter what has happened in your past, no matter what you've gone through, God can take it and he can work it and he can turn it in to something that may be different than what he started with, but there's something that can still be useful in the kingdom of God. So he can take your pain. He can take your brokenness. He can take your past sin. And He can start shaping it and using it, right? It doesn't mean that we're no longer useful in the kingdom of God. No, He cares about your brokenness. And so what we see in this passage is that God has... He, he, is, uh, he is sovereign. He has absolute power over that clay. And he can make that clay into anything he chooses. And so what determines, really, I mean, you think about it, what determines what can be made? Well, it really comes down to what does God need? <laughs> Have you ever thought about that? I shared in week one that God determines our boundaries. He has placed us where he wants us. He, he has determined where we live and when we live. And so if that's the case, 
then maybe God molded you and made you because he needed you where you are right now. Maybe there was a specific need that he placed you in this community for. Maybe there's a specific need in this body of Christ that he placed you here to meet. And so when God has a need, uh, he will shape you into something that he needs. And, and uh, you know, for me, understand, there's so many things that we don't understand about God and we don't understand about how God works. But I do understand this, that God has a much bigger plan than I can ever even realize. And so because of that, when God needs something, he can mold, he can shape us to meet that need. And so then it really comes back to, are we pliable enough? Are we moldable? Are we able... It, can God take us to shape us, to make us into what he really needs? Are we responsive to the hands of the potter? And, and so, um, you know, he, he's working this picture, this Jeremiah sees, he's at the potter's house and this potter is working and he encounters that hard spot and he, he doesn't give up on it. And, and hear me, I mean, that's how we know God cares about the broken. He doesn't give up on it. He keeps working it. He keeps shaping it. And as long as the clay is pliable, God will keep working with it. And, and so I, I share that because I, I feel like for, for many people, once they hit a rough spot in their life, they feel like, you know, there's really no hope now. There's no use in going to church there's no use and uh, keep serving. There's no use in, because I'm just messed up. I'm broken. God cares about the broken. God can still use you, but you have to allow him to, to shape you. Um, and that kind of brings me to my next point, that God wants to reshape our broken lives. He really does. Why? Because he cares about your brokenness. He wants to reshape it. He doesn't want to leave you where you are. And again, I think so many people, I mean, they just get to this place in their life and they're like, I'm just, I just mess up all the time. I can't get it right. And you start this conversation in your head where you just beat yourself up constantly. You start talking down to yourself. You start telling everything that's wrong with yourself. And, and here's what I'm, God wants to reshape you. Uh, verse 7, we'll continue on. Uh, if I announce that a certain nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed, but then that nation renounces its evil ways, I will not destroy it as I planned. And if I announce that I will plant and build up a certain nation or kingdom, but then that nation turns to evil and refuses to obey me, I will not bless it as I said I would. And so what Jeremiah is showing here, right? God has this desire. He wants us to repent. He wants us to turn back to him. And as long as we do, he is willing to work with us. He's willing to shape us. The, the, the clay pot is shaped according to the image that the potter has. And, and so God is constantly shaping us and molding us. He has a plan at play. And, and so God is sending this message to the nation of Judah. If you listen, if you respond, I'm going to keep working with you. I'm not going to give up on you. 
But it's when you turn your back on me. It's when you refuse to allow me to shape you. It's that's when judgment will happen. And so God is saying, I mean, he's really I mean, this is a pretty significant message that he's given the people here. It's like your time is running out because you're not letting me shape you. You're not letting me change you. You're not working with me here. And because of that, the nation is about to be destroyed. And I I said in the first week, Jeremiah, it's really this one shop stopping shopping center for all things judgment in Jeremiah. I mean, this is what the book of Jeremiah, it's about judgment. Make no mistake about it. Um, But God is still so patient with them to give them a chance to respond. And he's the same way with us. He's patient with us. He gives us chance after chance. Uh, Just being here today or listening online today, God has given you another chance to respond to his prompting and his leading and his shaping in your life and the reason he does that is because he wants to reshape your brokenness he doesn't want to leave you in the state that you're in and so you think about life the life we live is kind of that centrifuge it's kind of that wheel that spins us and all those things that are spinning that are happening to us the circumstances the events the uh, the, the heartbreak, the, all those things are shaping us. And what God is saying, if you just allow me to put my hands on your life, then as all this stuff is spinning you and shaping you, I will start using it and working with it and making you and shaping you. And what is he shaping us to be more like? He's shaping us to be more like the image of Christ. Christ formed in us. He's forming us. He's transforming us. He wants us to be more and more like Jesus. And so that's what God is doing on our life. It's, it's a necessary step. It's not always easy. But as all this craziness is happening, we have to realize God's using it. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, um, I look back throughout my life, and some of the hardest things that you go through have affected you most deeply, right? I mean, I think we would agree with that. I mean, it's those hard things. When everything is going smooth, uh, you don't see a lot of change in your life. But when you go through th- something significant, when you go through something painful, you can look back and you can see the imprint it made on your life. And it's in those times that God can grow us. Uh, and the, 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 the truth is that the painful events of life really shape us more than the smooth times of life. And so the reality is we all go through hard stuff. Just because you are a believer in Jesus doesn't mean life's going to be easy. doesn't mean you're not going to have any problems. In fact, uh, I, I think sometimes it may, you know, as Jeremiah, for Jeremiah, because he was a following God, it meant his life was significantly harder because he had to do some really hard stuff. But for us, it's those times that God starts shaping us. Um, and, and so I, I just think about that, the, the trials that we face, the discipline that we face, the circumstances that we go through. So what is it that's in your life that really is out of place? What is it in your life that doesn't look like Jesus? 
Because that's what we have to allow God to mold and shape us. And it's when we allow Him to, to place His hands on our life and say, okay, I'm going to start working with you. And we don't like it. We don't, I mean, most of the time we, we push back against the potter. And Jeremiah is telling us we have to let him shape us. So what is it in your life that's out of place? Is it your anger? Do you struggle with anger or, or, your, or frustration? Um, is it worry or anxiety? You're just constantly worried about everything that's happening around you and you feel like you have to fix everything and everyone. Is it greed? Or, or materialism, that you're never satisfied with what you have and you think you need more? Is it sexual sin? Um, is it something there that's hidden and you, no one knows about, but it's just continue, it continues to hold you back and you feel ensnared or enslaved by it? Is it your addiction that, again, that you just keep struggling with? And what is it that we need to allow God to start shaping and maybe that means sometimes the clay has got this hard spot in it and he just needs to crumple it all back in a ball and start over. And our life is going to look completely different from this point forward. But if we allow God to do that, once we allow God to do that, it's amazing, right? It's amazing that he could use the second part of your life, the second half of your life in a completely different way than the first part of your life. But if we allow God to shape us, He can do it. And so what happens, and what happened with Judah, is they just started complaining. God, why are you allowing all this to happen? God, why we don't understand all that? They just started murmuring. They started complaining. They started whining about everything. And we do the same thing. We whine about a lot of stuff. And, and so... Uh, we have to get to the place where we allow God to shape us. And so that kind of brings me to my next point. Right? Do you trust God enough to admit your brokenness? This really, the whole idea of brokenness, it really comes down to we trust God. Do we really believe God? Uh, do we trust Him? Um, you know, if you look at what Jeremiah is telling them, he's telling them there's still time. There's still time uh, to, to submit, to yield, to, to turn back to me. Um, but he's saying the time is running short. Let, let's keep reading in verse 11. He says, Therefore, Jeremiah, go and warn all of Judah and Jerusalem. Say to them, this is what the Lord says. I'm planning disaster for you instead of good. So turn from your evil ways, each of you, and you do what is right. But the people replied, don't waste your breath. We will continue to live as we want to, stubbornly following our own evil desires. Okay, I really want you to focus on that last sentence. Uh, don't waste your breath, right? Don't waste your breath. We will continue to live as we want to. Let me just kind of ask you about our world today. If our world today had a sentence, a statement that described it in relationship to God... Don't you think this fits today just like it did in the time of Jeremiah? It fits. I mean, you think about our world today, our world today would be like, God, don't waste your breath telling me about what the Bible says. I don't care what the Bible says. I don't care about this Jesus you talk about. We're going to continue to live as we want to. We're going to do what we want to do. We're going to just 
live and not worry about the consequence. We're going to do what we want to do. No one can tell me how to live my life. It's the same culture today as, this, as the culture then. That's why it's so tough for us. Because people aren't willing to trust God enough to let God shape them. People aren't willing to trust God enough to admit that they're broken. And so what, you know, God, he gives the people of Judah every opportunity to repent, every chance to receive mercy, every opportunity to to avoid disaster. But they just continue to do their own thing. Like, forget it. We don't care what you've got to say. We don't believe you. We don't trust God. It ultimately is a matter of trust. Do you trust what God says? Do you really believe that God knows best? Do you really believe that God can change your life? And if you're here and you're like, but God, you know, God, and I've heard people say this, God is, uh, yeah, I know God is powerful, but God can't do that. I'm like, anytime we limit what God can or cannot do, it just shows you don't know who God is. It just shows you don't have an understanding of God. It shows you don't have trust. Because my God can change anything. My God can do anything. And we've got to get to that place where we trust it. We believe it. And, and so it really is all about trust. When we don't trust, what happens? The clay becomes hard. Uh, you know, and the interesting thing, right, and you've seen this, if clay, as long as you're working it, as long as you're molding it, it stays soft, right? But over time, if you don't touch it and you just leave it and it never gets work, what happens? It starts getting hard. As long as we're allowing God to shape us, our lives stay pliable. Uh, I mean, there's so many examples we see in our world today that, right, I mean, as stuff, uh, as long as it's, as long as it's, you know, uh, it's moldable, as, as long as we allow it to be molded, it, we can shape it. Think about pouring concrete. As long as you're working with it and shaping it, but then over time, it's going to start setting. Uh, you, there's just so many things like that. Uh, over time, if, you know, you've got a chance, and then what God is telling them, you've got a chance to kind of let me shape you. But at the moment you, you kind of push back and say, I'm done, then you're going to harden in, in, that, in, that, in that place. Um, and so that's what we see here. We miss out on the intended shape of our lives because of our own stubborn pride. Because we say, God, I don't really need your help. And if you skip ahead a little bit, um, we see how the people respond to, to Jeremiah. In verse 18, the people said, come on, let's plot a way to stop Jeremiah. We have plenty of priests and wise men and prophets. We don't need him. We don't need him to teach us the word and give us advice and prophecies. Let's spread rumors about him and ignore what he says. So since they don't like the message, they go after the messenger. And again, think about our society today. What do people do? They try to discredit anybody who disagrees with them. That's like politics 101. That's <laughs> what politics... You don't like what you hear? Let's go after the character of the person saying it. And then maybe you can discredit them, and then people won't listen. That's what people did with Jeremiah. That's what people do today. Don't like the messenger? Don't like the message? Shoot the messenger, right? That's kind of, that's kind of what we see. Um, I'm, I'm telling you, it was interesting. I read a, an article 
just this week about a pastor who was fired because he spoke out and, and was preaching just biblical truth and the, the congregation didn't want to hear it, so they got rid of it. I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm just going to tell you, I'm very thankful we're in a church where I've never felt pressure that I have to say something to make you guys happy. Does that make sense? I'm thankful that I'm not like walking on eggshells up here saying, oh, I don't want to upset this person because then they'll get mad and leave and quit giving money. No, I get up here and I, I really, I feel the freedom to preach whatever's in God's Word. And, and I'm just like, here it is. It's up to us to, to, to do with it whatever God is speaking to our hearts. And there, there's freedom in that. A lot of churches don't have that. And, and I'm thankful that we have this ability to, to get here and read the Word. But you look at Jeremiah, man, as you keep going in chapter 18, uh, Jeremiah, start, he's starting to get frustrated. He's getting to his breaking point. And you start reading these prayers that he prays. Uh, it, it's, um, it's in here. I'm not, I don't have time to get into them this morning, but he just starts praying, God, okay, you need to take care of them. Take them out. I'm done. I've had enough. I mean, that's kind of how Jeremiah gets in this chapter, right? If you read it, he's like, okay, um, you need to just deal with him. You need to judge it because they're, you know, they're coming after him. And it, it kind of gives me a little bit of hope because what we see here is Jeremiah gets frustrated just like we do sometimes. But it also shows, right, that God is so patient. He knows we're broken. He keeps giving us chance after chance after chance after chance to turn our life around. And that kind of leads me to this final point. And that's really the warning we have. If we refuse God's reshaping, we will eventually be permanently broken. And chapter 19 is really what this is about. Uh, and I'll just go ahead and just read the first six uh, verses of chapter 19. It says, this is what the Lord said to me. Go and buy a clay jar. So now instead of watching, he now becomes, he goes and he actually buys this. Then ask some of the leaders of the people and the priests to follow you. Go out through the gate of the broken pots to the garbage dump in the valley of Ben-Hanam and give them this message. Say to them, listen to this message from the Lord, you kings of Judah and citizens of Jerusalem. This is what the Lord of heaven's army, the God of Israel, says. I will bring a terrible disaster on this place and the ears of those who hear about it will ring. For Israel has forsaken me and turned this valley into a place of wickedness. The people burn incense to foreign gods, idols never before acknowledged by this generation, by their ancestors, or by the kings of Judah. And they have filled this place with the blood of innocent children. They built pagan shrines to Baal, and there they burned their sons as sacrifices to Baal. I've never commanded such a horrible deed. It never even crossed my mind to command such a thing. So beware, for the time is coming, says the Lord, when this garbage dump will no longer be called Topeth or the valley of Ben-Hanam, but the valley of slaughter. And God, he sends Jeremiah back to this potter's house. He buys a flask. He's like, okay, everybody, I got a message for you now. You, you're going to follow me. He leads him out to this valley of Ben-Hanam, again, which uh, later became known as the valley of Gehenna, is how it's translated. It's the word in the New Testament that many times is translated hell. Uh, this is a garbage dump. It's a place where trash and the bodies of dead animals were left to rot. It's the place where bodies were dumped after executions. I mean, this is a vile, vile place. And Jeremiah gets all the leaders there in this place, and he tells them disaster is coming because you have refused 
to listen. Um, and, and I read this. It said this prophecy was fulfilled literally and precisely just a few years later when the armies of Nebuchadnezzar surrounded the city of Jerusalem, laid siege to it. The famine that resulted from the siege was so severe and horrifying that the people in Jerusalem resorted to cannibalism. The Babylonian armies broke down the gates of the city. They knocked the walls to the ground. Jerusalem became a scene of such destruction that anyone who passed by was amazed and horrified by its desolation. And if we keep reading, we see what, what Jeremiah does here. He says, as these men watch you, Jeremiah, verse 10 here, smash the jar you brought. Then say to them, this is what the Lord of heaven's army says. As this jar lies shattered, so will I shatter the people of Judah and Jerusalem beyond all hope of repair. They will bury the bodies here, the garbage dump, until there's no more room for them. And so for those that continue to say, God, I don't need you, the picture is, and I believe this is a foreshadowing of eternal judgment that we see uh, in end times. We see this. Um, God is saying, if you refuse to allow me to shape you, to change you, to transform you, then eventually you'll be broken. Eventually you'll face judgment. Eventually you'll be separated from me for all of eternity. Eventually the destination for your life will be hell. That's, that's where, I mean, this is the visual he's giving them. Uh, you've got a choice to make. Are you going to allow God to shape you or are you going to continue to press back? God has a right to do with our life anything He wants to. God, We are all broken people. The only difference is do we acknowledge our brokenness? Do we allow God to shape us and mold us? Or do we push back and say, I like myself the way I am. I'm going to do what I want to do. I don't care. And so for each and every person, we've got to get to that place in our life where we acknowledge our brokenness, where we confess our sin, where we acknowledge our need for God to put us back together again. That's why Jesus came. That's the gospel. The gospel is God saw us in our brokenness. Right In Romans 5.8, that God demonstrated His love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. That's how He did. He made a way when He saw our brokenness. It's the whole reason Jesus came. So that we could have a way to be made right with God. And so what Jeremiah is doing, he's kind of given us a, a precursor, a reason for why Jesus is coming. He shows us why that we, apart from Jesus, we continue to rebel. We continue to turn our back against God. He shows us why we need Jesus. So my question to you this morning, do you know him? Have you made that choice to, to surrender, to allow God to shape you? And if you're here today and you say, yes, I'm, I'm a believer. I'm a born-again believer. I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus. Are you still allowing Him to shape your life? The, the longer we go and we don't allow Him to shape us, the harder our hearts get. And I believe that's what happened uh, with the religious leaders of Jesus' times. They had become so hardened that they didn't even know, they didn't even realize who Jesus was or why he came. And so they were so caught up in the religious rituals, they missed the whole point. 
And, and so I, I just want to challenge us today. And when we look at the potter and the clay, how pliable are we? Do we allow God to shape us? Do we allow God to mold us? Are we willing? Are, are, we, are we prideful or are we, uh, are we you know, the poor in the spirit who acknowledge our brokenness? That's really the question we face today. I'm going to pray. The praise team is going to come back up and uh, we, we'll, we'll close today. Let's, let's bow our heads together. Heavenly Father, uh, this morning as we looked at this passage, I pray that it spoke to our hearts in such a way just to make us aware of our own brokenness. Just as uh, I shared that quote earlier, that we are more sinful and broken than we ever dared imagine. But God, you are more loving and compassionate than we ever dared hope. So Heavenly Father, our prayer this morning is that we would be able to surrender, to yield ourselves. And and really that's what it is. It's a yielding. It's a surrendering. It's, a, it's, a, it's, acknowledge, it's submitting to you. Acknowledging that you are God, that we're not. That you can mold, you can shape our lives to be anything that you need. My prayer is that we would be willing to say, God, use me. Whatever it is, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, help me to, to, to lay down my desires, my will. Help me just to, to get in tune with what you want to do with me. Help me to follow you. Help me to trust you. Help me to, to just acknowledge that you're God and I'm not. God, shape me, mold me. Help me to be more like Jesus in every thought, in every action, in every attitude, in everything I say, and everything I do. That's our prayer this morning, God. Forgive us when we can just continue to push back against you, your, your will in our life. Heavenly Father, I pray for those watching, for those listening, that they would know who you are, that they would know why Jesus came, that they would acknowledge that, Jesus, we need you in our life. Uh, Heavenly Father, we just thank you that we're in a place. Uh, we're thankful this Memorial Day that we have our freedom. I'm thankful for those who have given so many sacrifices for us to be able to be here today. Just to, to, to be able to open your word freely. Heavenly Father, we just pray. Would you help us be the church you've called us to be? It's in Jesus' name we pray this morning.